Welcome to Conway TNT, Conway Then, Now, and Tomorrow. I'm your host, Grant Gordy. And I'm your co-host, Lori Case Melton. Both of our families have been around the area for at least five generations. Whether you've been here all your life or moved here recently, we bring community-focused information we hope you will find interesting. Our goal is to reminisce about our past and maybe even give you a few tidbits you didn't know. We also will keep you up to date on what's happening now and in the future. Grant and I are both with First Community Bank and are excited to bring this podcast to you, as well as our community-focused style of banking. Welcome, welcome. Glad to be back. It's been a while since we've been in the saddle, Lori, so we're uh, knocking off the rust a little bit. Excited to be here with two gentlemen that need no introduction, uh, certainly in the music scene, but around the community as a whole. Today we have Mr. Blake Browning, and uh, privileged to have Mr. Darren Barry here as well. Thank Good you for be being here, gentlemen. How about you guys? So our topic today is live music, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about Conway live music, not live music in Brussels, Belgium. We want to know what's been going on in the past, what's happening now and the future. So why don't each of you tell us a little bit about yourself? Blake, we'll start with you. Well, I'm 70 years old, recently retired. I've lived in Conway all my life. I've uh, got a son and a daughter, both live in Little Rock with their families. Uh, and I guess playing music has, has been one of the highlights of my life here in Conway. Yes, you were also the voice of the Wampus Cats for a long time. About 24 years. Okay, so you don't get any more Conway than Blakey Browning. So for those of you that are that didn't grow up here, there's a reason he's here. So Darren, why don't you tell us about yourself? Well, I didn't grow up here, but um, I feel like I've been here most of my life. I moved here in 84, and uh, my family, um, a little different maybe than the uh, generations that have lived here, like you all in this room, um, we're from Illinois, and we're traveling evangelists, things like that, playing gospel music all over the United States, and so that's sort of how I grew up until about 84 when we um, took root here in, in central Arkansas, first Greenbrier, now Conway. That's something I did not know about you. That's interesting. I come from a gospel singing mm. family as well, but more singing, a little bit of piano. Sound, but, sounds you know. like you were born into music, Darren. Is that fair to say? Born right into it, yeah. I they, think uh, both of you were. So, Blake, why don't y'all tell us how you how you really got into it? Well, I, I think I was pretty aware of music, you know, all along from the time I was old enough to know what it was. My dad played drums. Uh, Blake Browning Sr. Yes, and big bands all over the kind of the region, uh, played in the Army Band. Uh, he was drafted into Hendricks College's marching band when he was in the eighth grade and started playing drums in their dance band in the ninth grade. And there was always a set of drums. You must be good to do college work in the eighth grade. Uh, he, was, he was pretty good. Of course, played a different kind of music than, than right. we do, but... But yeah, and uh, he loved it. There was usually a set of drums around the house, and I piddled with them a little bit uh, when I was a kid, but probably when I was about 12 or so and rock and roll was kind of coming in, I had a few 45s and got interested in it. And then the, the British invasion came in about 63, and that pushed me right into it. I mean, I fell in love with it. And, Game on. Yeah, had a, had a couple of friends uh, that I ended up playing in a band with at one of them's house one day, and and uh, they both had a guitar and got to pecking around, and there was one of those tin uh, popcorn cans over there, and I started beating on it, playing with them. Two weeks later, we had a band, you know. There was about eight, <laughs> there was about eight bands like us in Conway at the time. 
when the British invasion hit. Darren, what about you? Well, my story's a little different. My dad was a preacher, and my mom was a preacher. She preached at him a lot. Uh, I'll give you that. <laughs> but she was a piano player, and the story goes for her learning to play music was that my grandfather had issued a, uh, a challenge that whoever would learn to play the piano as well as my mom's oldest sister, he was going to give him $25. Doesn't seem like a lot of money. Now, but the but challenge then, was, the challenge was accepted by my mother full bore, like she went after it. And so some particular Sunday, he, he rides up to the church there and he hears this music going on and, and he thinks it's my mom's oldest sister. Turns out it's my mom and she's in there just going to town on his piano. So she won the, the money. And then so fast forward, here I come. And they'd been in various bands, family things, church things. And uh, and uh, they decided to um, sort of take on this endeavor to go out and do more singing, more more so than maybe a Billy Graham-style evangelism, but more singing and, and things like that. And uh, they needed a musician. So they bought this really high-quality uh, <laughs> instrument and said, here, learn to play this. I was like, it might as well have dropped out of the sky. Like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Now, I'd been around music all these years, but didn't know the first thing. And mom learned to play by ear, I guess. And so she would just strike a chord on the piano and go, Broom. okay, find that. <laughs> well, wow. I didn't know how to tune the damn thing. I didn't know anything about it. So I just go, doom, doom, bass guitar, by the way. This is just playing bass. So I just, doom, 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 doom. Does that sound about right? And she said, yeah, I think you got it. And so our musical, um, our musical vocabulary was such that it was it was not technical in any way, shape, or form. It was like we were making up things to communicate musical terminologies. And uh, so that's how I learned to play. And back in those days, I'm 54, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. So going back, um, churches back when I was, and by the way, this was, I, I think I was seven or eight years old when they handed me this instrument. Oh, my goodness. And, well, that changes the scenario yeah, a lot. And, and so... Honestly, there's a picture somewhere that my mother the had. The had to be as big as you It was did. as tall as I was. That's where I was going with this story. It's standing there, and, and it's as tall as I am. So here I am trying to play this thing that's too big for me and um, had no lessons, you know, and, of course, there was no Internet. There was no tabs. Uh, the way that we traveled. There was, Yeah, there was no weekly lessons that I could attend. So just learned it on your that's own. That's where it began. And I, and I say a lot of times that I learned to play music at the uh, at the uh, business end of a gun, you know, it was like, do it. Yeah. You must do this. We need you to play, and so that's how I. But you had to have some passion but, for it, and obviously some talent as well, or you wouldn't have been able to pick it. Oh, up absolutely. Like that. Yeah. It's uh, it's been the one constant in my life, just music as a whole. That's I mean, kind of the way. I, that's kind of the way I learned too. I I never played in the school band, and my dad. Early on, you know, showed me a couple of things, but again, he played a different. He didn't play rock and roll music. He played a different style. So I just I'm self-taught, and basically in the context of working in a band, I didn't practice hardly at all at home by myself. It was always in the context of a, a group. Yeah, my dad he didn't play. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. my dad didn't play at all. It was all my mom's side of the family, and on my dad's side of the family, um, they just were just they couldn't have been more out in left field when it comes to music. You know, they'd go, how did you learn to do this? Yeah. You know, they'd ask me. Well, along those lines, musical influences, you mentioned the British Invasion. Were you more of a, I think I know the answer, but Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Guy, all the way. <laughs> yeah. who, who, who else beside the Beatles over the years? Well, in the early years, uh, the Beatles, I love the Kinks. I think they probably made more of an impression on me 
when they were on Ed Sullivan than the Beatles did. It was just something about them. Ray Davies and yeah, yeah. Ray and Dave, yeah. and uh, actually they pronounce it Davis, Davis. but it's spelled yeah. Davies. But anyway, the Animals, who I think had never gotten their due, they had a lot of good hits. But uh, everything from you know from back in that time, and then a little bit later, Sly and the Family Stone, bands with horns. Love guitar players, sitting next to a great guitar player right now. Absolutely. Uh, and I've heard a lot of guitar players, and he can play. <laughs> what, so tell us what kind of music you each play. Well, I, I guess I've played just a little bit of everything, obviously, given the, the gospel background. Um, so cover bands and, and original bands. And, and most recently, um, spent a little time down in Texas in the Texas music scene and, and toured for a while um, with an artist out of Nashville. And, and actually a, a homegrown boy here that's that's done well for himself here, Matt Stell. Played with him for about five years I or so. I thought you were doing yeah. that with Matt, and he's done really, really well. He has. Because I remember really well. him Very playing for him. at JJ's, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, he and I played right down here on the JJ stage two or three times, um, really before we started touring uh, like we eventually did. And um, But the music styles or musical styles have really been vast. Maybe not so much jazz or anything like that, but more popular music, rock, blues, country, gospel, those type of things. No, it's a Any band that I've ever played in, we've always considered our, ourselves a dance band. Uh, we weren't necessarily a band that, we wanted to sit and play for people like a concert. We like the interaction with the crowds and people dancing. But we've always, like I said, considers our considered ourselves to be a dance band. And probably the our set list even today are still pretty much dominated by music from the '60s and '70s, kind of our version of it. And we do some newer things too, yeah, but yeah. It, the, a lot of the newer stuff doesn't fit into to our context, and so it's. Uh, we're still playing, but we play what we enjoy playing. Uh, it seems those eras seem timeless to me, and maybe it's because and, and growing up in a, listening to music my entire life too that I always go back to the sixties and seventies. I mean, well, it I seems like the, the, the songwriting. The songwriting to me was so good back then. I mean, you know, there'd be five great new songs come out every week. I mean, it was just and there were so many groups, and and now it's more single. Artists, you know, it's it's not as many bands. Back then it was all bands, you know, it was groups, and that made it fun to me. Well, and it is interesting to see the remakes of a lot of those old songs yeah. uh, uh, now, too. The, Sometimes for the third time. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Or fourth. For sure. Now, I remember hearing you a lot with Forrest Williams. Forrest so Williams, where's yep. Forrest these days? He's down in Santa Rosa, Florida, still playing. Um, With a beautiful scenery. Mm-hmm. Well, beautiful scenery. He uh, married my cousin and took her off down there to Florida, and they do a thing with the two of them and a drummer down there, which a lot of Conway people uh, will make that drive down to down to the coast. And, and uh, I, in fact, I got a, a video the other day uh, from a number I didn't recognize, and, and there's a video. It's not very clear, and it just happens to be Forrest singing a song it's like we're down in Florida, seeing Forrest mm-hmm. and Farrell, and, and uh, so they get they they still stay uh, busy playing music well, and when, making music. When my dad lived in Santa Rosa, he would go and see Forrest virtually every night. Yeah. And I said if he didn't slow down, Forrest was going to put out a restraining order against him. I mean, it, it got <laughs> we, a little obnoxious. You know, Forrest and I, <laughs> Forrest and I really uh, we we just sort of met bumping into each other it wasn't uh some predestined clandestine whatever you want to call it thing we uh we met and i needed a guitar teacher when i was 
um, down here at Conway Music for years. And, uh, and so I asked him, what do you want to teach? And one day he said, hey, why don't you come play this gig with me? Well, again, I told you how I had played gospel music for all those years. And I said, I'm familiar with some of the stuff you're going to do. I said, but I don't necessarily know it. And he said, ah, come on. And that started this almost urban legend how we played. You know, oh, I saw you guys play for eight hours one time. I don't believe that ever really happened, but probably felt like eight hours after being beat up by two acoustic guitars for a while. But we really did play some some fun things. Of course, the beginning of Centennial Country Club, we, we had a good run out there and uh, a lot of private parties and stuff. Last live music I heard was, was the two of you at TC's here in town. Had a, had a big time. Well, you know, there's sometimes, and, and Blake, you'll you'll agree with this. Some people you just have a chemistry with, yep. relationships of various kinds. There's just camaraderie. There's chemistry. There's you know whatever you want to call it, and it seems to really make good music or good art or good marriages or whatever it is. And and uh, and I think with Forrest and I, um, having like minds when it came to music things we liked together and and uh, uh it ended up working out really well we could we could just jump in and out of things and without a whole lot of okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do that you know with, which a lot of musicians you'll have to do but we was able to do that and, and it worked out like i said it uh it was good it was fun one crazy thing about about people clicking uh i've been playing for 56 years in a band i've played with a total of three guitar players over that whole 55 years, you being the third one. Wow. And the other two were yeah. Larry Nichols and Mike Grimes. Well, I started my first band. I played with Larry. We pretty much played together the whole time until about the last 10 years when his health got bad. And then, of course, we lost Mike in August. But uh, but that's amazing. Well, and it was an honor for me to get to sit in. Um, what, what was the name of the... Um, thing that we played Night on, Night the, on the Stripes Night on the Stripes from UCA. Mike um, well Blake yeah. and I you, know, you and I have been together I've heard you we worked used to work together um, I've heard the loose ends so many times I considered myself a groupie as well <laughs> we did too Lori uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of restraining orders <laughs> yeah. so I know you started with that group of guys uh, tell uh, tell us about your initial bands I'll try to were... make I'll try to make it as quick as I because it's I mean it's a it's a saga 50 uh, and, and 50 something and, years interestingly but... enough uh, myself uh, a guy that's been in the group just about the whole time, Mel White from Conway and Little Rock now, keyboard, trumpet, and our longtime bass player, Doug Nelson, we've taken on the task of trying to write a history of the band. Uh, we were awesome. We were kind of forced into it. Uh, one of the original members that's in Texas now said, I want to do a history of the band. Well, he was only in it two years, so he got his knocked out pretty quick. Yeah. And we've been meeting, trying to piece together. I mean, that's a lot of... Uh, Anyway, uh, I started out with that little band when the Beatles hit with Larry Nichols, Mike Grimes, Terry Bishop. We were called the Teen Beats, and our first job was in assembly at Conway Junior High School. You know, you're in front of the junior high school, nervous as could be. Uh, about two years after that, and there were about eight bands in Conway at that time, kind of like us, some better, some, you know, uh, some older but uh, anyway, I can't believe about, they'd be better. Well, they were. But, but, but about two years later, uh, a guy named Mike Grimes, who I ended up spending over 50 years with, called me and asked me to join their band. And our guitar player, Larry, was asked to go with another band, kind of a competing band in Conway, a group called the Chancellors. And we played together for a couple of three years. And then out of that band, um, morphed into the Loose Ends. 
in about 69, and by then it was the second version of the loose ends. There were some other guys in Conway that had started it at UCA a couple of years earlier, and then people come, people go, and it just kind of keeps rolling. You you lose a couple of people, and you pick up. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, but you and Mike were the kind of the steadies. Yeah, and Larry. Uh-huh. And Doug Nielsen, the bass player, and uh, we've had horn. We've usually been a horn band most of the time, but at one time we were three piece with a female singer. So uh, it's morphed through a lot of things, but it's uh, I guess the 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 common thread through it. There's about four of us that have you know pretty much been in the band the whole time. Uh, we enjoy. I think more than anything, we just enjoy being with each other, and we enjoy trying to play a song and make it sound good. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it, it doesn't. Uh, and we've been talking about musician. I had to throw this in. My bandmates have always been quick to remind me, especially the horn players, that drums aren't an instrument and drummers aren't really a musician. <laughs> oh, God. But they, they, but they, can't, they can't do without they us. They cannot. They cannot. And you sing a little bit as yeah, well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe you do Brown Eyed Girl, or you lead singer? Yeah, I probably got, I don't know, eight or ten songs I sing lead on. Yeah. I think I think a ticket to ride when I, I, were you lead on that or harmonize? Yeah, I I did that. that, But I I never thought. As a young guy, and watching watching the loose ends play, that's what I think of when I. Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison has kind of been my through all the years. That was the first song I ever sang lead on, and. It still get requests for it, so it's well. And you played for my 40th birthday, and I, I, I asked you to change the words to uh, "Blue Eyed Girl," and you refused because you were just, <laughs> I don't, I don't it's remember purist. that. It's artistic integrity. Yeah, so artistic integrity. Um, I so I had a little bit of this craziness in my life. Young, I had a brother that's Blake's age who was also a drummer. And he played in a band called the Moon Dogs, so that'll tell you the time. He's 13 years older, so I thought they would practice at our house, the garage band type setup, and I thought I, they were going to take me on the road with them, and I was going to be their go-go dancer. So that didn't happen, and I got very upset. So anyway, I got to be a part of that similar, you know, they they didn't stay together, and, and he ended up being... Uh, you know, a teacher, coach, and all those things, and, and didn't keep up his music, but it was it was fun for me. Well, I can't speak for all of Loose Ends, but Laura, you'd be welcome to come and go-go dance anytime yeah. we play, right? Exactly. exactly. And I have. Exactly. Uh, and I you may, have. You may rue that invitation. Yeah. No, I can't you wait to see it happen, actually. If you'd really commit, we would build yeah. you a cage. Okay, I'll get the boots. Uh, <laughs> these boots are made for walking. Have, have there been any memorable venues y'all played, or one that you have played multiple times that you always look forward to, to, to going back to playing? Well, um, yes, um, Kane's Ballroom, Tulsa was a big one for me, Billy Bob's in Texas, but I, I think the ultimate, and uh, I have a, a plaque from it, I got to play Red Rocks oh, wow. uh, a oh, few wow. years ago, oh, yeah. and uh, played that with Casey Donahue out of Texas, and uh, that was as memorable as they get. Um, out of all the venues, it's it's a magical place. I like, looked two years ago at the at the at the, the set list or, or for the the events for the year, and of course they were quashed. Had a good lineup coming, and I thought I've never been and wanted want to go to a show there, and and with uh, the pandemic, it's I didn't have the opportunity. Yeah, if you've yeah. never been, I can't only imagine. It's worth the trip just the to go. So, so Darren, you're a, you're a full time musician. So explain to our audience and to me, your dad. You're leaving here to go pick your kids up for school. How does a in Conway, Arkansas, a guy who lives here? What's day to day of a of a 
musician? My life now or my life as a musician? Because I've, you know, with COVID and everything, there's not a yeah. whole lot going we're on. We're going to so. pretend COVID didn't exist. Well, didn't exist. My life, because I've always maintained a residence here in Conway. Um, just couldn't, I couldn't make myself leave um, Texas, Nashville, whatever. And so my day would start off, you know, I'd come home on a, a Sunday and depending on the schedule, whatever, I'd have two or three days off and then I would travel to either destination and get on a bus and you just go wherever and then you circle right back around to this and then come home and, and there's always um radio tours and things like that so you know you're you'd fly out of little rock to wherever to meet up with the rest of the band and so it's very glamorous i guess it's it's tiring even just to to think about it and talk about it uh especially like i said to maintain a residence here but i, I felt like it was better for my family to remain here the schools and, and our community here I, I felt like conway was important to me um and i feel like it's important to them so i didn't want them to lose that sense of community and and uh family that we have here and so uh i decided to just take it on myself and and drive to these destinations or fly either way and and then uh be gone as long as i had to and then come back home to my nest here in conway oh that's awesome we're i guess i'm the complete opposite to that i never really more than maybe for two weeks one summer never really wanted to be a full-time musician i (laughs) I enjoyed playing on the weekends and there were periods of time when we played a lot. We were looking back in our old records the other day, talking about the history thing. And in 1971, the Loose Ends played 73 dates. And in 1972, we played 71 dates. That's 144, which was about a, a, a gig and a half every week. And that for, with a full-time for, job, that's with pretty a full, tough. And, and, and everybody, and everybody mm-hmm. was like right. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you loved it so much. You know, yeah. it didn't Wasn't. bother you to work all week and then get in yeah. at 5 o'clock in the morning and go do it again the next day, you know. Now see, that's the way my parents traveled. They all had full-time jobs, and they would go on weekends, and, and uh, I guess there was no limit just as far as they could go and then get back in time for work on Monday. But uh, conversely, my, my uh, date total would be double that most years, 150 yeah. dates plus whatever radio tours if, if the artist that I was supporting was, was doing something. And, of course, they was, would be on top of all these other dates. So it was it was a full-time job. You bet. It was a full-time job for sure. And there's a there's a saying that it's not for everybody. No. Um because the music is 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 a little part of it when you're on the road like that. So you have to not be a jerk. Um have to be a pro when you're out there and it's not about being the best guitar player, the best drummer or singer. But it is about being a professional yep. and, and handling yourself as such. And uh, that's the hardest part of the whole thing is just being gone. I think my dad could have been a full-time musician, but my mother wasn't going to let that happen. Yeah. <laughs> when they got married, that's pretty much what he was doing and selling a little bit of insurance on the side and playing in a big band. And and uh, But that ended pretty quick. Cool. She put a stop to that pretty quick after they got married. So you're second generation, but then your son is also a drummer. And matter of fact, the job that Darren played with us back in October at UCA, Brooks played drums, uh, did all those rehearsals that Darren did and and did a great job. He's had a band in Little Rock for about 12 years now, but they're kind of winding down. I've had a lot of physical trouble with my shoulders, uh, rotator cuff and arthritis, so I recruited him, and and he did. He did a good job, and he loved loved playing our music, you know. What about Miles? Do you think he, that is your grandson, do you think he, is he leaning that direction? Not really. He hasn't shown much interest in it. Oh, no. Uh, But I... Amy's little boy that's a little over a year old, 
he may he may do something. Okay. <laughs> he so likes to beat around on stuff. Okay. That's fantastic. Well, Conway's all the better for y'all's talents and, and uh, bringing the arts to, to the area for sure and the entertainment value. Both both days gone by and uh, days ahead. What it, 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 in, in your respective instruments, if you had a Mount Rushmore of drummers, in your case Blake, and then uh, guitarists, I'll, I'll narrow it down for you, Darren. Who, who would you put on, the, on that Mount Rushmore? Boy, that's a, that's a tough one. There's so many great ones. Uh, by Favorite drummers, I'm not going to necessarily say they're the best. One first one that comes to mind is Ringo Starr, and my son Brooks sent me a, a video or a little audio videotape of one of the Beatles songs that had the drums isolated on Brooks. And Brooks said, You know, I, I'll argue with anybody that says he isn't one of the best drummers that ever lived. And, and doesn't listen. get a lot of credit. No, really? uh, but him, there's a, there's a group called Little Feet that's not a real mainstream group that a drummer named Richie Hayward that, that I've Thought was terrific. He he passed away not long ago, but I, I got to spend uh, Brooks's band opened up for them one night at Riverfront Park, and the girl that was running it it was Make a Wish, a uh, friend of Brooks, and she set me up right behind Richie about ten. I got to sit behind him about ten feet behind him the whole night, and man, that was one of the Highlight. biggest thrills of <laughs> yeah. my life. I mean, it was terrific. But uh, Dixie Chicken. I, yep. There's there's really just too many great ones to, of course, Neil Peart, you know, from Rush that just passed away. Everybody I know is dying, you know, but uh, oh, there's there's just a list as long as your arm that yeah. are unbelievable. Darren? Well, the same could be said for guitar players. Uh, my, my Mount Rushmore would, could not be confined to four, I don't think. Uh, there's too many. I know that's uh, a loaded question. It is, because I, I think the ones that rise to the top for me, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Hendrix, Clapton, B.B. King, um, you know, and this sounds like a bunch of blues guitarists, but just the way that they played uh, their instrument to me is more so than the genre that they represented. Um, but a lot of country guitar players as well, That's like Milton Mason, <laughs> Vince Gill, Rad Paisley, um, and and a name that uh, most people would not recognize except for the fact that he was influential on me at an early age. His name was Dwayne Friend. He was a a uh, young man out of southern Missouri. I, I, I'm going to say Springfield, and I may get corrected on that, but uh, um, played in a, in a style like a Chet Atkins, Dwayne Eddy style finger-picking, which I really don't play that style, but his his attention to detail when he played was a thing I seemed to lock in on, um, how, he, how smooth he was and things like that. So a lot of influences. It, it's, it's hard to name. Sure. There's a few to name, but... There's a bunch. I'll be driving home after a while, and I think I should have said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah loaded question for yeah. sure. Appreciate you both sharing that. What do you think the future of music is, not only on a local level, but even on an international level with respect to... Uh, Coming out of COVID or even without COVID. Well, I think at least initially people are going to be ready to go hear music again, you know, when, when things get where they can. Uh, I'm not that in tune as far as live music scene uh, because I've you know been out, I, we did one nighters and traveled on the road and all that stuff. And Darren, you know, could speak to that a lot more. But it's it's going to continue to be good. I mean, there's still great music being made, and there's great recording artists. There's great local musicians playing, and they just continue to get better and better. And it's it's there's a great future for it, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and they say you don't miss the water till the well runs dry. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this time off from uh, live music and concerts, uh, I think. Uh, I heard somebody make a comparison to the Spanish flu, and when that pandemic was over, we had the Roaring Twenties. Well, look, here we are, 2021, uh, 2020, into 
2021. Maybe we'll see a bit of that, you know, people really, uh, really getting out to see live music, really getting out to have fun with their friends because of so much isolation. Yes. Maybe we're maybe we're on the on the, the doorstep of something really fun and, and progressive. Who knows? Um, as far as that's concerned, I, uh, I think Blake would agree with me here. I hate to see so much electronica uh, yeah. taking up. Yep the space of actual musicians that's the only thing that really bothers me about modern music i think well hopefully during all this downtime when people been locked up there's a lot of people practicing playing guitar (laughs) or writing songs or whatever and that you know there could be a real big surge of of new songs and new musicians that could hit when this thing's over with i heard an interview from kelly clarkson she said she had written 60 songs Mm -hmm. um, that while she was home and and so exactly so but if you were going so let's pretend COVID is already gone where would you go for live music in Conway? Well two places I like to go um I like to go to King's Conway right down the street here um they, they seem to have consistently good people come in different types of music not all the same it's not all blues it's not all folk or anything like that and uh tc's out there on the east side of town they they have a a good stage a good sound system so it really and supposedly a good cheeseburger from what i understand it's fantastic well not for nothing but it is the best burger (laughs) in the state i'll tell you that right now Uh, i have a 10 year old little boy and when tc's comes up on my schedule he's like uh dad would you please bring me a burger from tc's i'm gonna have it for breakfast (laughs) and uh, there's always one waiting on them they take care of me out there but uh as as someone going to listen to live music you know TC's has, uh, they've got a good PA system, which is important for the listener, uh, Kings and, and several little places downtown here. So, you know, JJ's, you know, there was a time in Conway where you couldn't go and hear live music exactly. right. six days a week, seven days a week, whatever it is. And, and uh, you know, the people that have taken on this endeavor, you know, you got to give it to them for saying, we're going to try to keep our stage lit every night and uh, give some entertainment value to not just open mic nights and jam nights and things like that, but actually bands coming through town, being able to have a stage and and uh, maybe support some, some people back, that they don't. Back when I was your age and a little bit younger, there wasn't any of that here. Mm. I mean, that didn't happen until they got the mixed drink, you know, the alcohol. And until those voters got in there. Yeah. Exactly. That, I yeah. mean, because you couldn't, you couldn't support it. Uh, when I was coming up, the live music was... Private some like private parties, or, you know, Hendrix and UCA used to bring in a lot of good bands, regional and some national bands, and they had them in, you know, concert, they had them, you know, but there were a lot of dances back then. Mm-hmm. And then about in the 70s, early 70s, that the culture kind of changed, and I think it was a little square for kids to go to after ball game dances and they were doing other things uh but man that was a great time you, you could hear some great Sounds bands. Like fun. you could hear some great bands at uca well God. maybe that's what this uh, is going to come out of covid is the kids want to dance again instead of just stand out there yeah like we need to teach them we need to give them some lessons any, any artist or group that is no longer with us that you wish you could have heard that you didn't have the opportunity? Well, everyone I mentioned earlier, Stevie Ray, Hendrix, yeah. you know, those those type. Um, but there's, you know, I have had a bucket list, which everyone does of things, and I've never got a chance to hear the Stones, and I would really like to catch them before, God forbid, you know, two bands happened to them. That I'd like, that I've always said I wanted to hear, and that, most people probably won't remember was Sly and the Family Stone. I always wanted to hear them in person and the Young Rascals. I don't know if y'all yeah. remember them. 
that's two bands I'd love to have heard live and never got the chance to, uh, and stupidly didn't go to Memphis and see the Beatles in 64. One of my bandmates, Terry Bishop, went, and uh, I thought, well, you know, I'll catch them when they come to Little Rock. <laughs> you know, didn't quite happen. Got a little too big for Little Rock. Oh, that was sickening. Well, uh, I, in working with you, I know um, what a diligence you have towards your craft. So even though you didn't do it full-time, you certainly put that much time in. I know you worked with, the, uh, you've mentioned several times, Mike Grimes, and he was such a special guy. We lost him back in August. Well, give us some tidbits about his career because he was kind of like kind of like Darren yep, yep. where uh, he For went sure. out and, and uh, had a family, but here, but he still hit the scene. He was one of those guys at about 63 when all the garage bands started up around here. He started one called the Dimensions. Uh, uh, that a couple of years and then it morphed you know some of the other bands they combined a couple from this band a couple from that band and ended up at a band called the Chancellors and which I joined about a year after they formed. Uh, then he uh, after the Chancellors he became a part of Loose Ends when we kind of reformed that group. And then he, uh, at, at one point, he said, I'm not going to work anymore. He worked at Universal Nolan as a draftsman and started playing the clubs in Little Rock with a group called The Common Good that was real big back then. And then he started his own group called A New Day. And then he put together, came back to the Loose Ends for a while, and then he put together a band and went out on the road. And they traveled. They'd go to Wyoming and to a club and work there two weeks and come back. And he did that for several years. And then a country artist named Robin Lee, who had a hit with Black Velvet. Uh, it's he, one of my he, karaoke numbers, yeah. by the way. <laughs> he, he put together a road band for her when she started needing to travel. And he played in the band and did that probably for eight or ten years and then decided she... She quit. He got off the road, came back and played with us again until this past summer when he got sick where he couldn't play. But. Well, his son David has been on our podcast. Yep. Uh, he talked about uh, the Wampus Cat Hall of Fame, uh, Sports Hall of Fame. So we'll have to have David on again to update the new class uh, about that. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Mike. Well, and Mike was before he he was he wasn't cap- couldn't play anymore. But we had this job at UCA. Well, y'all need to play that job. And so he said, well, let's find a guitar player to do this job. And uh, and I said, great. And I said, he said, well, what about Darren Barry? I said, I hadn't heard him play. I've heard of him. But he said, well, I'm going to call him, see if he's interested. And, and, and when and, I reach and, out to you guys for this podcast, I didn't yeah. realize you had been playing well, anyway, together. Darren came out there and met with me and Mike. Mike sucked him right in. He didn't know what he, he, <laughs> he didn't know what he was getting into. It felt like we, I'd been playing for years with these guys. <laughs> we about worked him to death. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, it, Mike was. Uh, I, I told Mike's wife he was. Of course, I loved him as a friend and and what you know musician wise and all that stuff. But I think he's one of the best people. Yeah, that was. I've ever known. And I, and David's a good representative of him, David Grimes. For sure. For sure. That's fantastic. So y'all, give us a okay. We want let's get some dirt on some folks around here. I know the loose ends was certainly had its following of the of the locals for Conway. So all you new people to town, you may go. I may or may not know these people. Who was the most memorable? Who did the best, most memorable dancing at some of your gigs? Since y'all were a dance band. Are you talking about Justin Conway? I've got a I've got a good we story. Need, okay, give us a and story. I, and I'm gonna relate it to a guy from Conway. You you know Steve Penny? 
yes. Conway, and yes. you've seen him dance at Conway Country Club yes, at those country club mm-hmm. parties. Well, I'm going to tell you about a guy that was real close to Steve, Steve except about a notch or two above, if you can imagine. Uh, Steve just kind of, we'd call him a dancer. He was a jumper. Yeah, <laughs> a little loose. Yeah, but we're playing. He put a, the loose in loose oh, ends. Yeah. Well, we're playing a golf tournament dance at El Dorado Country Club, and lo and behold, Terry Bradshaw is there uh, playing it with his brother in this the golf ter- tournament. Yeah, Terry and of course he's retired from football. This was probably in the early 90s, and the, we crank up the first set, and Terry hits the floor. And Terry didn't get off the floor until the first break, which our, our first set's an hour. And you thought he'd played two football games. He was, so, he was, so, he was soaking wet, I mean solid wet. Uh then he disappeared after that first set. We, later on, we're, he's married to that JoJo Starbuck, that yeah. ice skater. So we bumped into her back there and get to talking. And long story short, she's, we asked for a, a, one of his promo black and white photos like people would autograph. Oh, yeah, give me your So I gave her a card, and, and lo and behold, about three months later, that picture comes in the mail, Terry Bradshaw, and he'd, he'd wrote a little, written a little note to Brooks, my son, right. on there. And Brooks was about 12 then, so it, it tickled him. But, I mean, that that's something I'll never forget well, was, sure. was, was Terry Bradshaw out there. Got him worked up sweating into a lather. Through, sweating through his clothes. <laughs> and he worked up into a lather. Well, he probably had to go get a shower. It's probably what he had to yeah. go do or, or, or take a, a heart pill. Any words of encouragement y'all give a young budding uh, either someone looking to pick up an instrument, et cetera, or someone that may have and just trying to take it to the next level. I know that's two two questions, but I think probably unless they have or can develop some passion for it, they're probably wasting their time. But if they've got some passion for it, jump on it and and work at it. And you you know, as in Darren's case, it might be something you do the rest of your life, or it might be something that that was just a hobby, like for me that that brought 55 years of great times to me. And, you know, uh, yeah, you, we got to encourage our young people to, to pick up instruments and play. Well, it's something I touched on earlier that uh, my family had owned a place here in Conway called Conway Music for, uh, I guess, about 15 years or so. And um, we saw a lot of young people come through there and, and proud to say that there's been a lot of them move on, um, playing in Nashville, playing in Texas, playing all over the place, ha- have pursued this. Because I think instilling that love of music, it, it, it's born somewhere else. But then when they come to us and we just nurture that and then try to um, encourage that. So a lot of people want to know how to play music. They want to play guitar. They want to play drums. They want to play piano. But not a lot of people want to learn how to do anything. As, as in basketball, football, any walk of life, any job title, anything like that. They want to be great at something, but they don't want to put the time in it. And, and that would be my advice. You've got to put the time in, whatever. You're That's why be I said right. if you're not passionate yeah. about it, you're probably wasting yeah. your time. Michael, I think Malcolm Glidewell said 10,000 hours to become a to, co- to become good at something. Yeah. I mean, that, that's at least, the commitment. Yeah. It, it's yeah, just, that's, maybe you know, more so. It may be a multiple of that in music. It's just like uh, in anything, there's no credit stored up on an instrument. Every time you, you reach and, and grab a guitar or some drumsticks or a horn, um, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. A lot like life. How about that? There you go. It's a life lesson life, for yeah. the kids out there. Absolutely. But it's, it's true um, because the guitar is just there. It's waiting for you to uh, apply yourself towards it. And um, and so it, it does take that time. I appreciate y'all sharing that. What, 
If someone wants to find the loose ends or where y'all are playing next, where would they go to find that information? That's a good question. We don't even know when we're going to rehearse again. You okay. know, we're waiting for people to get shots and, and all that. Uh, you know, we don't play much anymore. We, you know, two, maybe two or three times a year for uh, special events and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know how you, you may have to. We'll send up smoke signals. There we go. We'll start to do something. Uh, you can find me on, on most social media platforms. I even recently joined TikTok, so. Oh, wow. Have you put a video on no, it yet? No, I have okay. not. And I'm probably not going to. Well, your kids can teach you how. Yes, they can. For sure. That's fantastic. But yeah, Would just you? Darren Berry, you know, Instagram, on Facebook. All of them. Absolutely. Outstanding. Well, can't thank y'all enough, like I said, for what y'all, the entertainment value and then the passion y'all bring to the music scene, more specifically here to Conway, and, and we look forward to seeing and hearing from you all in the not too distant future thanks for being here with us today thanks for listening to the conway tnt we hope you will like our facebook page and post any ideas for future podcasts there or you can always drop by and visit us at first community bank at 1089 front street i'm grant gordy and i'm Lori case melton we cared about conway then we care about conway now and we certainly will care about conway tomorrow take care First Community Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.